Hi, I'm Michael Carter, lead pastor of the Life Church, and I just want to thank you for watching this rebroadcast of this week's message. We hope it's an inspiration to you and that there will be things that you can apply to your life that will help you along your journey. I'm really glad that you're wanting to grow in your relationship with Jesus, and I believe the Word of God will help you do just that. So be encouraged, and if there's something in the message that helps you, we want you to respond. So leave a comment, prayer request, or even a question below. We want you to know that we're with you on your journey. So God bless you and have an amazing week. Here's this week's message. Um, we are in a message series called Facets of Faith. Facets of Faith. So if you have your Bible or you have your device or you have a way to get to Scripture this morning, turn over to Hebrews chapter 11 and we'll get there in just a few moments. I was thinking of this story of this little boy who was in the kitchen of their house and he was drawing on some construction paper. He had little markers and he was drawing on construction paper and his, his mom walked into the kitchen and she said, what are you drawing? And uh, he said, well, uh, I'm drawing a picture of God, I'm drawing a picture of God. She said, you're drawing a picture of God. She said, listen, honey, nobody knows what God looks like. He said, I know they will when I get done. <laughs> There's something about confidence. There is something about having confidence and especially confidence in the word of God and confidence in Jesus, our savior. There is something about that. In fact, one version of Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about how now faith is the confidence. It's the confidence. It's the assurance that we have. And so you can't live a life that's overcoming. You can't live a life that's fulfilling without faith. In fact, the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. In case you don't know, if you look that word up, it means not possible. You can't do it. You cannot please God without faith. So faith is an important part of our walk. It's an important part of our life, so much so that it really has to become who we are. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. We shall live by faith. So we're talking about facets of faith, facets of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 4, says this. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended. As righteous, God commended him by accepting his gift. And through his faith, though he died, watch this now, he still speaks. He still speaks through his faith. Turn over to chapter 12. Just flip a, a page over. Chapter 12 in, in Hebrews. Verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. Somebody say every weight. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How many know we're in a race? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, 
so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. One more scripture. You don't have to turn there. You can if you can get there quick enough. But 2 Timothy, I'm looking at chapter 4, verse 7. Uh, many of you would know this. The Apostle Paul said toward the end of his life, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. The race I have kept the faith. I want to talk to you in this message series, Facets of Faith. I want to talk to you this morning just for a few moments from the subject, Keep the Faith. Keep the Faith. You know, we heard a testimony this morning about endurance. And if I could just add a little bit, uh, I don't want to step across the line, but I want to add a little bit to uh, Sister Cheryl's testimony because I happen to be on the board of her non-denominational, not non-denominational, non-profit company. I guess it is non-denominational also, but her, her, non, her non-profit company. And uh, so I've, I've seen the journey that she's gone through. And I've seen how uh, she wanted to get a small business loan, and the Lord told her, don't get a loan. And, he, and all of us around her said, well, I, you know, how are you going to get off the ground without getting a loan? Maybe you should just get a loan and just pray God will give you the money very quickly so that you can pay it off. She said, no, that ain't what God said. He said, don't get a loan. So we, we walked with her through that. And, we, and we've seen how she's applied for grants. And they've said, no. And they said, well, you know, we don't even know what you're talking about, you know, kind of when we applied for the grant. We, we've seen her go through all of that and how she's endured. And how many know that when you endure to the end of a thing? Come on. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. There's something about keeping the faith. My prayer is that God would help us keep our eyes on Jesus, to keep moving forward, to keep enduring, to keep our faith until the very end. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. See, our faith moves us forward, friends. It's not a mistake that Hebrews 12 is, in the, is on the heels of Hebrews 11 of how our faith empowers us to run. After we read through Hebrews 11, and some call it the hall of faith, where, you know, we, we read all these characters who had great faith and who overcame so many things. And then we see here in Hebrews 12, it tells us, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Let us run to the end and let us keep the faith. And so in this series, we're going to look at some men and women of faith from the Bible that are there to inspire us. They're there to help us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Last week, I talked a little bit about how they are now at heaven's balcony cheering us on. You go, boy. You go. They're cheering us on. And one day, we'll be in that place to cheer someone else on, either in this life or the next, we'll be cheering someone else on. The question for you is, will you be counted in that number that they would say that person kept the faith? He, he kept the faith. She kept the faith until the end, and she was blessed because of it. See, faith is not a blind leap into darkness. Faith is not guesswork. Come on, it's not just a chance. Faith if it is a leap, it's a leap based, leap based on trust. It's a leap based on facts of the word of God. It's a leap 
based on a cloud of witnesses that went before us and have a testimony to share with us. Come on, that's what faith is. So we need it. We need it. We, we started out this series talking about the motion of faith and how faith is something that, that moves and it keeps going. We talked about how this book of Hebrews was, was written to Jewish Christians who their faith was being challenged. We need to overcome life's challenges. How many of you have ever had your faith challenged? Come on, somebody. Had your faith challenged. These, these Jewish Christians had negative setbacks. Some lost property. Some were rejected because of their family. And some were rejected by their community. Many experienced hostility and persecution. How many of us have, have had setbacks or negative experiences that challenge us? It challenges our faith. But we need faith because it's foundational to our relationship with God. I cannot express to you this morning the importance of your faith. The importance of your faith. You cannot live the Christian life without faith. We can have faith in God. In fact, we need faith in God because he turns the negatives into positives. And faith, listen, I want to tell you, I'm all about positive thinking. But this kind of faith is not rooted in simple positive thinking, just positive thinking. All you have to do is think positive. It's rooted in the power of God's word and the power of the gospel. See, the power of the gospel reminds us that God can turn dead things into things that are alive. He can make things that are sick and make them well. He can turn the impossible situations into possible situations. Positive thinking involves reframing our negative experiences through self-talk. Okay. But the gospel reframes our negative experiences through God talks. So the question is, what is God saying to you? What has he said to you? Our world was framed by God's word. We read that in Hebrews 11.3 last week. How has God's word framed your world? See, faith comes by hearing, but hearing what? The word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That doesn't mean uh, I just went to church and heard a sermon or I went on YouTube and heard, you know, Bishop Jakes or some Kenneth Copeland or whoever it is you listen to talk and give a sermon. No, that word means rain. It comes from a Greek word, rhema. It means a breathed word, almost like a revelation. Okay, so you read the word and it meant something. Have you ever read the scripture, maybe even a, a, a passage that you've read a hundred times before? And all of a sudden the day you read it, oh, I see that a little different. That's rhema. That's rhema. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the rhema of God, not just somebody talking. The rhema of God, that's how you get faith. So then the question this morning, the question this morning is how's your faith? What would be your response if someone were to ask you, how's your faith? If at work, someone said, hey, how's your faith? If, if, if at school, in class, someone looked over and said, hey, how's your faith? What would be your response? What would be your response if you were, were honest? If you just didn't give, you know, an off the cuff, oh, great, it's good. I guess it's okay. What would be your 
thoughtful response. And so it's a little personal, and I want to get personal. Some view it as an odd question, but the question remains, how is your faith? It's a question that we must answer. See, faith is something that we use in everyday life. When you sit down, you have faith. When you pay your bills, you have faith. Working on your job, you have faith. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the doctor and just accepted what she said. She must know what she's talking about. All those words she was using, I don't know what she's talking about, but I guess if I'm supposed to take that, then okay, you went to school, so I trust that. We use faith every day. And when we follow Jesus, we put our confidence in him. Put our confidence in him. And this book of Hebrews was a personal letter written to a group of people because the author wanted them to know, he wants you to know, or she wants you to know, uh, that your faith is a question that you need to look in the mirror and ask yourself. How is your faith? Look at these folks. You can see it in their life. See, faith is something, if I'm going to get right on Front Street with you this morning, faith is something that can actually be seen in your life. See, we don't think that. You know, as Christians, it's this mystical thing. I have faith. Yeah, you know, I believe. But if it doesn't show in your life, don't make me go to James. Because James, come on, James will talk to you now. James will talk to you. Show me your faith. I'll show you my faith by my works. It'll be evident in your life, one way or the other, one way or the other. So how is your faith? What kind of a person of faith are you? What kind of posture do you have toward faith? I want to talk for a few moments about five postures of faith and then hopefully land on the fifth one. The first posture of faith is unbelieving posture. It's an unbelieving posture. And really, when you think about an unbelieving posture, I don't please don't be offended by what I say because it's not my heart towards you, but it's not acceptable to God. Unbelief is not acceptable. It's not acceptable. See, an unbelieving posture is a person who's yet to put their faith in Jesus. Their spiritual journey in trusting Jesus has yet to begin. An unbelieving person has yet to have spiritual eyes of faith to see Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan can't make you do anything, but he can give you thoughts and ideas and suggestions, therefore blinding you to see what's really there. John 16.9 John 16, says this, And when he has come, he will convict the world, talking about Jesus, of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me. You know want to know what he's really saying here? He says, the world's sin is that they don't believe in me. And we can think of a lot of sins, sexual immorality, lying, stealing. You can think of a lot of sin. But really what Jesus is saying is the world's sin is that they don't believe in me. Because if they believed in me, where sin does abound, grace does that much more abound. See, God has a way of pulling you out 
of all of that. But the enemy will convince you to keep yourself in it. I'm not that good anyway. I failed yesterday. So why should I even try today? Come on. But God's word in you, if you'll believe in him, he has an overcoming grace for you. And he would look at you and tell you that you are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and never again beneath. Just start walking like it. Stop acting like you're something that you're not. You think that's what you are. You think that's who you are. But God has your identity. He'll tell you who you are if you trust him and believe in him. An unbelieving person has yet to believe, and maybe it's due to honest doubts and questions. And you want to know something? That's okay. Questions are okay. The problem comes when you stop asking questions. When you just settle that the, the church is bad, all Christians are bad because that person did this, that, that pastor offended me, and so all Christians are bad, God doesn't love me, and the whole thing is a farce. When you stop asking questions, that's where the problem comes in. But if you have honest doubt and you're asking questions to me, that means you're on a quest. And if you're on a quest, God will accept that. He's got big shoulders. Ask me all the questions that you want to ask. God is saying, I'm right here. You got some questions, bring them on because I have answers. That's what God is saying. I have answers. That means you're going to keep going. Don't blame Jesus because some Christians failed. Come on, I don't have time to get into that. But I got some kids who blame Jesus because some Christians failed. But until Jesus fails, then you can't say Christianity is not true. Now, I understand it. Listen, I 100% get it. That if somebody represents something, that's what you see. I get it. I understand that. But I'm just here to tell you this morning that oftentimes God is misrepresented. And I, I, would, I would encourage you as a Christian, read your Bible. Stop making up stuff. <laughs> read your Bible and see how Jesus really was. See how Jesus had a high standard, but he had even higher grace. And he was able to do both. He was able to have a standard and not compromise and not accept sin. But at the same time, he was able to have compassion and empathy and bring people up to where he is. Read your Bible, Christians, so that people will stop turning us away because of the mistakes of a few. Come on. And then the next posture is the believing posture. A believing person believes in Jesus. But listen, their belief doesn't go beyond a mental state. I believe there was Jesus and uh, he walked the earth. Yeah, you know, but I'm still going to live my life. I believe that. You know, many people believe that the Jesus of the Bible is genuine, real, and true. James 2.19, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Guess what? Even demons believe and tremble. So belief that there is a God only gets you so far. Watch this now. See, it's one thing to believe, believe that there is a God. There's one thing to believe that Jesus is real, but it's something else to believe in Jesus. What do I mean by that? 
Well, I see you there. And because I can see you, I believe that you're a real person. But what you really want is for me to believe in you. I remember a story that my pastor told years ago about a man who was at Niagara Falls. And uh, a long time ago, they used to do things like they'd get in a, people would get in a barrel and go over Niagara Falls. And, you know, all kind of things have happened at this Niagara Falls. Well, one time this man put a rope all the way across from one side, from New York side, all the way over to the Canada side, across the falls. And he, he, a bunch of people gathered around and said, what is this man doing? He said, well, I'm going to perform a feat. He said, do you guys believe that I can walk across this rope all the way to the other side without falling in the falls? And they said, well, I, I don't know. I mean, you say you could do it. You seem confident. So uh, I think you can. Try it. We want to see it. So he did. He walked all the way across, got to the other side. He said, man, that was pretty good. He said, do you believe that I can run across this rope and not fall down. They said, well, I don't know if I believe that or not, but try it. We won't see it. So he ran all the way across, got back to the other side, to the other group of people. They said, man, that's, you're pretty good. On the side over here was a wheelbarrow. What? A wheelbarrow? He said, yeah. Some of y'all don't know what a wheelbarrow is. You know, we, we, when I was little, we used to do hard work. We had a wheelbarrow. But this wheelbarrow... He said, you think I can take this wheelbarrow and push it across this rope all the way to the other side? They said, well, you walked all the way across there and you ran all the way across there. Yeah, I believe you could probably do that. So he did. He took the wheelbarrow all the way to the other side and then he came all the way back, all the way back. And the people said, man, that is amazing that you were able to, to really do that. He said, I don't know that you guys really believe that. Even though you saw me, do you really believe it? And they said, yeah, yeah, we believe it. He said, all right, get in. <laughs> see, it's one thing to say you believe even though you see it. But it's another thing to believe in, <laughs> to get in. Come on. And Jesus this morning is asking you to get in. He's saying, get in. Believe in me. Lay aside every weight. Jump in. Don't hold on to anything. Jump in with two feet. With two feet. I remember being real little. One of my first memories. I was probably four or five years old. And I was in, in Columbus, Ohio, which is where I'm from. And I was at the YMCA. And uh, some of you football fans may have heard of Archie Griffin. He's a only two-time Heisman winner, right, from Ohio State. His younger brother, Ray, also played for the Buckeyes, but he was also a instructor. He was a, a lifeguard and a swimming instructor at the Y, believe it or not. And so uh, I happened to get him as my swimming instructor. And uh, I, I was four or five years old, and my thought in my little mind was, well, I'm going to go here. I mean, I didn't know who he was. Uh, I just threw that in there to let you know I kind of knew somebody who was halfway uh, famous. But he... I got there to the wire, and my thought was, okay, Mom, we're here, and you've got this guy, and I'm going to walk down the steps into the water. But he didn't do that. We went all the way over to the 12 feet. 12 feet. Now, I don't know. I'm probably one feet. And uh, he's down in the water, and he hit the water and said, jump in. I couldn't form words, but if I could have, I would say, man, is you crazy? I'm not jumping in there. 
And I heard him. I remember this. I heard him talking to my mom. And my mom said, man, is you crazy? He said, listen, the best way to get him to learn how to swim, to be able to trust me going forward, is to jump in. Because if he just walked down the steps, he still wouldn't trust me. He was able to do that. But if he jumps in and he finds out that he's okay, that I'm right here for him, he's going to trust me. Jesus this morning is asking you to jump in. He's asking you to believe. Is that your posture? Or do you just believe that there was a Jesus? So it moves us to the next posture, which is trusting him. Moving beyond belief to a confident surrender and trust. A trusting person has a belief in Jesus that has moved beyond this mental state, this mental ascent to a way of life that's full of confidence and trust. Believing that Jesus will do what he said. Jesus said, I am a healer. Do we believe that? Jesus said, I'm a deliverer. Do we believe that? Jesus said, I am, I am a restorer. Do we believe that? Hebrews 10, 36, 38 says, for you have need of endurance. I don't know who needs to hear that this morning. Maybe me. <laughs> but God is telling someone this morning, you have need of endurance. In other words, all he's saying, it's not a condemnation. It's just saying, don't give up. Don't give up. You have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet in a little while, the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall what? Live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We're talking about trusting. Talking about trusting. See, Christian spirituality isn't solely about one's capacity to restate right true and accurate beliefs. All of us can do that. We can restate what's right, true, and accurate. But A.J. Soboda said, Christian faith is total trust, submission, and faith in Jesus reflected in a whole person pursuit to know the one who is being trusted. All he's saying with all those words, look at a long paragraph, all he's saying is jump in, <laughs> trusting 100%. Try it. Jesus is saying, just try it. Just try me. Trust me 100%. I know you have those things that you want to hold on to because of your experiences, because of your upbringing, because of teaching that you've received in your lifetime. I know you have all of that. But I'm telling you here this morning, Jesus is saying, if you would abandon that and trust me and jump in with two feet, you won't regret it. James said in 118, someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I'm going to get in the wheelbarrow. I'm going to do it. What have I got to lose? I'm going to do it. One person said, you can't judge the quality of their faith from the way they behave. Discipline is an index to doctrine. Discipline is an index to doctrine. So is your posture, posture trusting God? And then we have to watch out for this posture. We have to watch out for the drift. Beware of the drift. Beware of the drift. Beware of the drift. The drifting person is a person who's struggling to keep their faith. Hebrews 2.1 says, therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. That's why you have to stay hungry no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how long you've been on this road, no matter how long 
I, I wish I was, I was good at math. I don't know how many years it's been. In 1983, I remember the day I gave my life to the Lord as a teenager. I don't know how many years. That's over 30 years ago. You know how many years it was? 39. See, thank you. Somebody knows. You said next year it'll be 40? 39, 40. 40 years. But guess what? If I wake up tomorrow and I'm still not hungry for Jesus, I'm drifting away. I'm drifting away. Why? Because it's a life. It becomes who we are. It's who we are. And yes, we'll have ups and downs. We'll have all of those things. There will be storms that come. But Jesus showed us that you can walk on water through the storm. Even if the storm doesn't go away, you're walking on water in the storm. We don't want to drift. The reason for this warning of drifting away is because it's possible to happen. And it was a real problem that the writer of Hebrews was addressing. This word drifting away refers to something floating aimlessly on the surface of water. I've given this example so many times over the years of a boat just out on the water with no oars and no uh, motor and how you just sit there and, and you're, not, you're not moving at all. But if you sit in that boat for an hour, you'll end up way over here. If you don't do anything, if you're not active, you'll drift. You'll drift. You have to make a conscious choice not to drift away, not to drift away. And here's what we want to get to. Here's where we want to land. And this is what I want you to think about this week. Your posture has to be a lasting posture, a lasting posture. The author of Hebrews encourages people to keep their faith moving forward. And we read imagery of running an enduring race. This is a lasting faith. It's a lasting faith. Drifting versus moving forward. Because you're going to be doing one or the other. You might think, I'm cool. I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay right here. I'm good right in this space. You know, that's the way I was when I was in high school. I wasn't a good dancer, but I was, I was good right here. I'm cool right here. This, that's good. I ain't got to do all them flips and everything. Will Smith, you know, I'm this is good. I'm at the high school dance. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Go do your thing. You can do that at the high school dance and still be cool, but you can't do that in life. You can't do that. You're either going forward or you're moving backward. You're moving forward or you're drifting away. See, moving forward or running is the opposite of drifting. Examples of men and women of faith are used to encourage the early Christians and us to keep the faith, and those examples inspire us to run our own race. They've run their race. Their race is done. You're in the midst of your race. We're in the midst of our race. No matter where you are here today, no matter young or old, you're right there in the middle. And can I tell you one of the worst things that we do as people and as Christians is often we give up in the middle. Can I tell you, don't give up in the middle. I know it's hard. I know there have been some things that have come against you. I realize that some people have talked about you and you've been offended. I know that. I know that we all have. I know that you tried and failed and it seems like you just can't get over the hump. I know that you applied for the grant seven times already and they haven't given it to me. I realize that. I realize what people are saying, and it just don't seem like it's going to work, to use my best English. It just doesn't seem like it's going to work. 
But God is saying to you this morning, don't give up in the middle. You are right in the middle of it. You're in it. You're doing it. Take stock. If you need to, take a moment. Take a breath. Don't drift away, but take a breath and look around you. And as hard as it is, all the things that are coming against you and you're trying to swim and you're trying to float and I'm trying to get more money, I'm trying to put money in retirement, I'm trying to do these things and I'm trying to get that paid off and I'm trying to get this relationship right and I'm trying to do all these things, I'm trying to pass my test and all these things I'm trying to do. Take a quick breath and look how you're right in the middle of it and you're doing it. You're doing it. Don't give up in the middle. Don't give up in the middle. Listen, the Hebrews in 11, uh, the, the heroes in Hebrews 11 are described as a great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 12. Many of us would interpret that as, as onlookers uh, cheering us on in a stand or a stadium. Like we, we run by, we, we hear them cheering us on, right? And, and those witnesses are there testifying to us, not just cheering us on, but they're testifying to us. They're not telling us what they think can happen. They're telling us what happened. They're telling us what they've been through. Telling us what they've been through. And next week, we're going to get a little bit more into Abel, who we started, uh, we looked at, uh, read about uh, at the beginning today. We're going to look at Abel, at the, the, the hero that's mentioned here, and how he was able to keep a lasting faith. So you're going through it. You're in the middle of it. Things are coming against you. The, the, the wind and the waves are contrary to you. But God's word, if you will stand on God's word, it is an island in the midst of the storm. He is a strong tower in the middle of everyone and everything that is coming against you.